before the episode, we want to tell you about Soundfly's brand new course, Ryan Lott, Designing Sample-Based Instruments. Whether you're caught in a creative rut or looking for ways to take your work to the next level, this course has you covered. You may know Ryan Lott as the band leader of the group Sun Lux, or from the work he's done on soundtracks for movies like Looper, The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. In his brand new Soundfly course, Ryan breaks down the process he uses to collect interesting sounds and transform them into the kind of unique and emotive playable instruments that often become the foundations for his compelling compositions. Since we started working on this course, I've genuinely felt more excited to make music than I have in years. It's the perfect blend of practical advice and profound reflection. Learn more about Ryan Lott designing sample-based instruments and all of our other highly engaging courses at soundfly.com. And when you decide you want to subscribe, be sure to use the code PODCAST for a 20% discount at checkout. Thanks and enjoy the episode. An incredibly emotive musical marathon. A subtly cinematic instrumental piece. And an intimate song that became a crowd favorite. You're listening to Themes and Variation. Themes and Variation is a podcast about music and perspectives brought to you by the online music school, Soundfly. I'm your host, Carter Lee. All right, folks, another Themes and Variation for you. And we got a fun one today as we're talking songs you prefer to listen to alone. We've got three tracks that, for whatever reason, our panelists decided they just don't want to share the listening experience with others. Maybe as they're listening to the track, their reaction is just too powerful. They prefer others don't see it. Maybe they're concerned their friends won't like the track when they share it with them, and it'll kind of ruin the experience for them. But in any event, joining me for this deep dive into some solitary songs is, of course, Mahaya Lee and voice actor and podcast host Adam Klaus. As a voice actor, Adam has voiced national TV campaigns for major brands like Best Buy, Mazda, K Jewelers, and Lunchables, among several others. And he also hosts the podcast So You Work in Entertainment, where he talks to people who do the behind-the-scenes jobs and careers in the entertainment industry. And Adam really kind of went out of his comfort zone in coming on this show. You know, he's not a musician but he's a music lover. And the show is all about getting different perspectives in music. He's a very inquisitive person. He's always looking for answers. He's a great conversationalist and he's a very dear friend. And I thought he did an incredible job on this episode. And before we dive into the episode, we've got some big news that you may have already seen. Soundfly's latest course, Ryan Lott Designing Sample-Based Instruments is out. In this course, Ryan Lott, composer, film scorer, and band leader of Sun Lux, will show you how to find and construct inspiring, unpredictable sounds and turn those into playable instruments. Learn to write music in response to instruments that emerge through experimentation, rich with contour and variation. And see what kind of music you can create when you move beyond the limits of traditional instrumentation. Ryan walks students through the boundary-pushing techniques he uses in his music, 
Whether experimental pop tracks, scores for films such as Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and Looper, video game soundtracks, or dance collaborations to catalyze new creative ideas and build music that evokes complex emotions. And this course is available with all of our incredible courses via a Soundfly subscription. Just head to soundfly.com to sign up and use the discount code PODCAST, that's PODCAST in all caps, to take 20% off a monthly or annual subscription. And finally, remember you can drop us a line anytime at podcast at soundfly.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions for themes for an episode. And be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That is enough out of me, so without further ado, let's get into the episode. Songs you prefer to listen to alone. All right, folks, another themes and variation coming at you. Joined, as always, by Mahaya Lee. Mahaya, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, Carter. How are you doing? I'm great, and I'm mostly great because we're joined by a good friend and podcaster slash voice actor, the one and only Adam Klaus. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm uh, I'm excited to uh, to hear what you guys have in store for me today. Oh man! So yeah, taking the take the curtain back for the listeners a little bit. Adam, do you do you play any instruments? <sighs> This is a testy one. So I was in a band in high school and um, I'm from a really small town, like 20,000 people. There's nothing mm-hmm. to do there. And um, I am not a musician. I do own guitars and I love guitars, but I'm, I would not say that I'm a musician. I just don't have it. You know, I feel like people have it or they don't. And maybe it would be different if I tried it as an adult, but like I, I played in this band and we were so bad. This is, I wish this was a joke, but I was taking guitar lessons from the same place that was the recording studio, again, small town. Um, <laughs> and I went in for a lesson and he was mixing our track that we had recorded earlier that week. And I heard who it was and I was like, this is awful. And oh, I no. quit the band that day because it was our music that he oh, was, that no. I, I heard secondhand. Oh, man. Yeah. And it yeah. changed the trajectory of, of uh, potentially your musical life. But dude, like... We were talking yesterday, and you know, for the folks at home, we're good friends. You know, uh, mm-hmm. we go uh, not way back, but back far enough, I would say, to to be very good friends. And I think you're somebody that has a really unique perspective on music as a listener, as an appreciator of music, and you also always just ask great questions, no matter the situation that you're in. So this show being about getting different perspectives on music. So happy that you're you're joining us on this. I want to talk more about your podcast, of course. So you work in entertainment, uh, and and just everything else about uh, your views on music. Because I, I think you're I think you're a great guy, Adam. That's that's basically the point I'm getting at here. So well, but I have a question I... though. So being a voice actor, mm-hmm. you require you require that's a weird way to say that <laughs> you have vocal skills that other that like yeah. a lot of singers don't have. Do you feel like they're very separate worlds in your mind, or are they? Does that cross over at all for you? I feel like you guys are giving me too much credit. Um, I like <laughs> this is a long way of I, asking I, if you can sing. I guess <laughs> I cannot. I cannot sing. Um, not publicly, certainly. Mm. Um, I I feel like the thing about voiceover is that you have to tell the truth and mm. you have to connect to a person. And I, I mean, obviously, like great singing is the is the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's in it's a little different when you're like pouring your heart and soul out versus you're telling people about the discount television that you can purchase for $400, you know? Um, cause primarily what I do is commercial. I've done a little bit of everything. I've been full-time at it for eight years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some same skills. And I know a lot of uh, voiceover guys are good musicians and they're good singers and that helps them have a better dialogue with people. But mm. um, what I do in voiceover is more about how can I um, create a feeling rather than uh, like hit a note or a, or mm. a melody of a line, of a spoken line. Does that do, make sense? Do things to like maintain your your the sound of your voice like do you have warm-ups before you record and things like that yeah so sometimes i actually do i used to have a hip-hop playlist that i would just like and and usually i'll have a song that i'm working on at the time that i'm trying to nail perfectly like um the latest one was the vic mensa verse of coco butter kisses and just trying to to hit that that things like being able to have clear enunciated speech um, like tongue twisters, stuff like that I'll do. But the biggest thing that I'll do to like, as a quote unquote warm up is sometimes I'll do like a, a stupid voice or I'll see how many different accents I can throw on something that's just completely wrong reading through a script. And then I'll go as myself and it kind of like washes out all, any like preconceived notions that you have about the script or any rhythms or, or things like that, that you get stuck in. Nice. That was fascinating. Yeah. yeah great question. And Adam, thank you so much for, for illuminating the the process of being a voice actor a bit for us. I'm, you know, I'm very compliment heavy today. I'm very compliment heavy because <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, Adam's here. So um, I'm also excited to listen to some music. So yeah. I, I said we dive into our first selection happens to be mine for the episode and away we go. <laughs> trio uh the paris concert edition two quick question for you both this is a, a long track and we'll we'll get into that a little bit did you listen to it all the way through now i did tell you with the caveat being like you don't need to listen to this track all the way through because i felt kind of bad but uh yeah your experience with this track when i shared it with you or maybe you heard it before um i did not listen to it all the way through in the last week but i listened to it all the way through a lot in college <laughs> so i feel like i feel like i'm there I listened to it in my memory. That's like cheating a little bit, I guess, but... I listened to this song 11 times. <laughs> On purpose? <laughs> Start to finish? Start to finish wow. 11 times. Two of those times I stopped it and because I, I was doing something and I was like, I'm not really listening. And so I stopped it and then I picked it back up. I, t I emailed you that I would listen to it three times. And I thought like, that's, that's an hour. That's kind of ridiculous. Right. And then as I started listening to it more and more, I wanted to understand it more because here's the deal. <laughs> you can take your hand off your face, Carter. It's fine. <laughs> I've never really listened to jazz. Huh. And I'm very excited now. Yeah, this is great. I was trying to think of a way to explain it to somebody. You know, obviously I've asked you about music how many times in the past and you've always given me great recommendations. So the fact that this came from you as a song, I was like, you know what? This is, it's one song. Go ahead and give it a listen, like feel it out, figure out what's going on with it. I was planning on maybe listening to it uh, once, like through steadily and then doing whatever. Mm -hmm. But six and a half minutes in, I'm still thinking it's just a dude on a piano. Yeah. I have no idea that he has a band with him. And that kicked in and it was like such this moment of, of like, whoa, it was That's just awesome. such a pure discovery. 
And then I saw that uh, the bass player on this recording, Mark Johnson, was born in Nebraska, where I'm from. And that really hammered it in for me of like, you have no excuse for not being educated. <laughs> because I know, I know I'm coming on this podcast and I'm, I've listened to your podcast. It's really great, by the way. Thank you. And I'm not going to be able to touch like 90% of the conversation about <laughs> anything with what's actually happening in this track. Um, and I don't, I don't have the vocabulary around that, but I was like, it's one thing to be incompetent, but it's another thing to be incompetent and lazy. <laughs> and I wasn't going to be both. So I put in the time. That said, I don't know that I'm any better off for it. So you just touched on, I think, the exact reason why when we're thinking about guests, we, got, we had to have you on. You're an extremely relatable person, but you're also somebody that doesn't do anything half measured. Like you attack everything, man. And, and I think you're being a very relatable person. This show is, is not just for, for just like the music snobs, which is uh, I very much, very much can be many, many times. I try not to be, but um, there's a lot to learn. I think we'll get into some discussion here. Ask all the questions you want, Adam. You are a conduit for, for listeners. <laughs> Maybe don't listen to jazz, which is, again, totally fine. Um, this is a, If you were going to start with jazz, this would not be the track that I would recommend this starting with because it's insane. With uh, it's very Nobody's heavy. It's, it's incredible. I love it. But mm -hmm. it's like like not an intro track at all. So let's get into it a little bit. Originally composed by Miles Davis. He actually composed it for Cannonball Adderley. Cannonball wanted a composition for a record date on his uh, record, Portrait of Cannonball. Miles was not happy with this recording, I'll tell you that much. So I found a little snippet uh, that while Davis was not satisfied with the performance, he said that from then on, Evans was the only one to play it the way he wanted. Uh, the piece would become associated with Evans' future trios, which, play, and which played it frequently. It appears on uh, Bill Evans' trio record, Explorations, Trio Live, and Quiet Now. Many more records as well. Um, it's also, Adam, you might dig this. Uh, sampled on the MF Doom uh, and Mad Lib track as they are combined to be Mad Villain, um, but their track Raid. Two, two, one, two. How Doom hold heat and preach nonviolence? He about to start speech. Come on, silence. On one starry night, I saw the light, heard a voice that sounded Now, this is where we get into some heady stuff, which I think will hopefully be a little bit uh, illuminating here, Adam. So we're talking about the solos. As you aptly described, the entire first six and a half minutes of this track is just solo piano. The The track Nardis is a vehicle for improvisation. It's like, to me, when I think about jazz, it's like you get a blank canvas and the tune that you're playing are the colors that you're given. It's like, here's some blues, some reds and greens, now paint whatever you want with it. But you have kind of a, a structure to follow. You can also totally ignore all of that structure and and dip out. Uh, Bill Evans playing, I think, through this, you can hear the tune. You can hear the piece breathe through his playing. He takes, and I counted them out, 11 choruses uh, on this track. So it's a 32-bar form. He plays those 32 bars 11 times. Dude, the first time I saw a jazz group play and, and there's a free solo taken, meaning there's no accompaniment, which all three uh, instrumentalists do on this track, 
the big thing to me was how do they know when to come in? And now, Adam, was that something that maybe hit you as you were you were listening to this track? Yeah, I mean, again, as a first time jazz listener, I was kind of surprised how what a great gig it would be if you were one of these jazz musicians because you're getting yeah. a full paycheck for like a third of a day's work. You're just <laughs> sitting there watching your friend play from a lot of the song, really. It's, and yeah. <laughs> you're being I don't right. know. Maybe that's a maybe that's a start of a conspiracy theory as far as why jazz is like you either get it or you don't. It's like I don't yeah. know. Maybe this doesn't answer your question, but I felt like such a relief when the band came back mm. because there were specifically at the end of uh, Mark Johnson's solo. It kind of seems like they were like, uh, "Are we back?" Or like it wasn't. It wasn't as clean and clear. You know. Is that, am I wrong in Just that? Just the end of a bass solo, I think I that's part of it, honestly. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong in that. I, I think it does touch on something, though. To me, when I'm listening to it, there are clear indicators that like, okay, get ready to play. Get ready to jump back in. So what happens in this and what I'm I'm highly almost positive of, obviously I wasn't there. This was recorded in 1979. Before the concert, there's no like, all right, I'm going to take 11 choruses. Mark, you're going to take seven Joe, you're yeah. going to take six. It's just, we're going to play Nardis. That's literally it. And so Bill starts playing, and he's playing this free improvised solo. And then it's just, it's all listening. So if you listen to the end of Bill's solo, which I'll play for you right now, you can hear a little bit, like, so the end of his second course starts to ramp up the rhythmic energy. There's it's a little more gridded playing. It's a little more structure. But then towards the end, there's like a little bit of a cue that if I'm in the trio, I'm like, okay, I got to get ready to play. plays very much the tag of Nardis. Like if you were to play the melody of Nardis, the end of what you would hear is very similar to what Bill Evans plays at the end of that. And that is a very big cue to, all right, guys, get ready to play. Now at the end of uh, the bass solo, uh, Mark Johnson's bass solo, we get a similar cue. As as quiet, exactly as quiet as that was, it's just the melody, and it's very much like in a way. And I've been in these situations. I don't think that's what was happening, Mark Johnson. But it's like, get me out of here! I, I am, I'm stuck. (laughs) You play a cue, it gives everybody the cue, Uh, and then finally, Joe LaBarbera. Yes, it's the drums, but I think there is, even though there's no melody or melodic content, there's still a little bit of like, okay, like here we go. Um, we're getting ready to jump back into the tune together. So right about here. The reasons why I prefer to listen to this song alone, one is... Bill Evans playing, he's the one art, one artist for me that is so emotive and so emotional that it, it actually makes me emotional. I've listened to this countless times and still many times I'll, I'll just hear that, that intro piano and almost be brought to tears, really, and probably even be brought to tears at times because it's so, it's just the most beautiful touch on it on the instrument it just transcends the instrument it's something that is like 
a deeply personal listening experience. So that that's one reason why I like to listen to this track alone. The other thing is that it's 17 minutes long. So like if, you know, if Adam, you were over and I was like, check this track out. Like we'd just be in it for 17 minutes. And that that's like, <laughs> that's not I, like, I think that's not fair to like friends to, and I did this to you guys by like, Hey, but I did it to you to listen to it on your own. Right. So it's a little different. You don't want to be rude when you're introduced to new music. Right. And, I think 10 minutes is fine. Like I can, I can sit through a 10 minute track with somebody that really loves something. Maybe if it's not for me, it's just like, I can, I can deal with that. But 17 minutes, that's 17 minutes is long. It's a lot. My favorite part about all that is that there are several shorter versions of this song by Bill yeah. Evans out there in the wild. <laughs> three, I could have given you three and a half. Could have given you three and a half, but this, this is one I wouldn't that have added any other myself, way and where I prefer the other ones I would maybe prefer listening to with friends but this one is this was for me this is the one I prefer listening to myself I think it's better with headphones on yeah uh, I think that that you know there's a moment in this track where if you listen very carefully I thought at first it was somebody coughing because it is a live recording but I think you hear the snare get turned on by Joel LaBarbera so when the snare is closed you don't hear the snares on the bottom of a snare drum rattling but if you leave the snare open and there's other instruments vibrating and, and making noise and stuff, or there's even movement on stage or whatever, the snare drum can come through and be recorded. You can hear the little bit of rattling. And I think at, there's a very specific moment at 622 towards the end of Bill Evans' solo, I can hear the snare being turned on. Why do I think that? Because it's towards the end of solo. The barber is listening. Okay, I think he's kind of coming to the end of his solo. He's got to be ready to play. Turns that snare on. advice i'd give people who want to find a way into the 17 and a half minute song like to appreciate it bill evans is just an interesting person there's um a video where his brother interviews him and they just get into like what music means to him and like what life means to him and all this stuff and if you have a little background on on that and then you listen to something like this where he's playing very contemplatively like 11 choruses you kind of start to to hear that in the music four listens in I went to go make dinner and I told my wife, I was like, do you want to listen to this song, uh, Carter's, the song for Carter's no. We put it on and, and she said, uh, she said, I feel like we should be at the mall. And I was so offended. I was deeply hurt by that. I was like, this is mall music to you? This is jazz. And then I caught myself and I was like, I feel like I should be at the mall too. Yeah. So it... Uh, it, it, I'm glad that you sent it along. I'm not there yet. That's My good. question for you is, why is he your favorite uh, jazz pianist? Obviously, this piece means a lot to you. That's a really, really good question. I I could distill it into... Um, and hey, you're being a piano player. I think you'd have much better technical ability to describe this. I could distill it into like things that he does... Um, his voicings are my favorite, like the the notes that he chooses to play in chords, um, as simple as that. But really, it's it's something that I can't describe. It's more a feeling. It's like the way that he plays, the touch that he has on the instrument. You think about a musician that has their own voice on an instrument that's been around for hundreds of years. Like it, that's kind of impossible. Like the the instrument is so much played history in it and for somebody to develop their own voice in a way like he doesn't sound like anybody else i think it's interesting that i feel like if you would have been able to say i mean your answer was kind of like it's just the way he is and how he does it <laughs> pretty much um 
but if you would have if you would have been able to like articulate like the way that he does this 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 then you that would be easily repeatable by anybody like you could learn that right you can um, and you can there are so th- th- there are things that you can pull out and you you'd hear in somebody else's playing that's like they obviously copped that from bill evans um block chord runs there's some beautiful these big block chord runs which is like a melody harmonized in it and at least five notes it's just like a, a melody a contour of a melody moving in multiple voices and he does that in a solo a lot Sometimes when I listen to jazz soloists play, I'll like I'll listen to the way they phrase things and imagine like if if just like their if their musical performance was a human talking mm-hmm. to me right now, <laughs> what kind of person is this? And like he's somebody where like I'd lean forward because I'd really want to know what he was saying. <laughs> you know? Gotcha. And <laughs> there's something gentle and a little oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just really compelling about it. That's it's so cool to hear you guys talk about it because um, you know we're listening to the same song and I didn't really get uh, any of that but I knowing that I would um, it's kind of weird like I can see I know that there's a ton that I don't know in that and yet I can still appreciate it for um, whatever level I can meet it at you yeah. know. we have the pleasure of listening to this is explosions in the sky the only moment we were alone is what the song is called i don't know i tried for the life of me to remember how i found this band and i don't i I don't know i can't pull it but i used to listen to these guys all the time when i worked a desk job and it was like very spreadsheet heavy and i could put it on and what i what i love about that is it's like it's there for you if you want to kind of dive into it and and hear it or if you're like doing something and you have other things that you're you're working on you can put it on and it's kind of just like it gives you a little boost as you're going through um this particular album is fantastic but i really love i mean i i enjoy pretty much their full catalog of explosions in the sky uh but the reason that i picked this song again knowing that i'm coming in to um people who understand a lot more about music than i do it's slightly intimidating to be like hey throw up a song for us But this song in particular, because I can't speak to the musical movements and and things like that, from what I would say about it, if like if I was gun to my head, put on the spot, I would say it's it's simple with multiple movements. Does that ring true? Yes. I think that's why I like it. The simplicity, it's all those sounds are, I know kind of what they are and where they're coming from. But the combination that they have, it always, the song always is a different story for me instrumental music for me is like a choose your own adventure and depending on what you're coming into with you know your mood or how your day was that story can change dramatically for me how this goes to me explosions in the sky 
their music feels like if you took Tycho and like dialed the emotions up maybe even a little further. Even though like sonically they're not identical, it's very similar. Like you can get lost in it, mm-hmm. and there's it's almost ambient, but it clearly has like builds and drops throughout. You know, I think explosions in the sky in particular. I keep coming back to them. I think it's their patience and their restraint. Because like you said, there are you see there's room for all kinds of different stuff that they could throw in there, but it's not. It's simple, and that when you just played that clip at the top. Wasn't expecting it, but I got chills when that guitar came in. Part of it is because it's interesting that this is songs we want to listen to alone because I've seen them multiple times live, Explosions in the Sky, Mm -hmm. and they were fantastic. One of the best shows I've ever seen in my life um, was at the theater at the Ace Hotel they played. And they play this song as their closer. And when it ends, the guitarist has a kill switch on stage and he stomps that and it kills everything. Lights, sound, all of it. It's just like, it's like you're watching one of those old school TVs and the it closes out in the middle and there's just yeah. like the fuzz collapses in on the center and you just see that. It was, it was like That's awesome. feeling that moment was incredible. And the, the two different shows, the reason why I was like, oh, this actually fits on another level for why I would rather listen to it alone is because... Uh, at a different show that I that I went to when I saw them, there was a guy behind us who sang the entire show and they're an instrumental <laughs> band. Yikes. He was just hot. He was like, literally singing like, the melodies, like or like was he adding his own like it, it words was like, to it? He was like dun 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 That's and sick. It, I mean it was like death glares, everything, nothing would stop him. At some point I was just like Already, he's part of the show now. So you've touched on this a little bit, and this—I think this last little story of the guy singing probably also adds this. But why do you prefer listening to this track by yourself? I like it because of the escape and that journey Mm -hmm. of the song, and the the way that you know it's kind of like waves. Like they'll there'll be parts of the song that come wash up, and then they recede for a while, and then they come back. And when I'm just alone, like a lot of times at, at night, I'll listen to instrumental music like this. And just to feel that kind of like, let your mind go on that journey. And then another uh, fun little tidbit that I'd forgotten about, about this was the first time that I saw them, it was the best concert I'd, I'd ever seen. And I immediately looked at their tour schedule to see where else they were, because um, I was going to, I live in LA, but I was going to like, I have a friend in Chicago. And so I was like, oh, when are they going there? I can fly out. I haven't seen him in a while. We can see the show. Um, and it, it ended up not working out, but the next time they toured, I saw that they were stopping in Vegas and I hadn't seen a bunch of my friends from college and Vegas is kind of an easy point for everybody to get to. I'm not really a Vegas person, but you know, it was a close, quick drive. And I was like, sure, let's, let's do that. So I asked everybody in the group, do you want to go to this show? It was the Brooklyn Bowl in Vegas. And um, there were eight other guys on this trip. And so, and they all said yes. So I bought nine tickets to this show. And as Vegas does to human beings, uh, you become feral creatures. (laughs) And it gets to be like the day of the show. There's like, you know, it's like an hour before we would leave and like nobody's around the hotel or anything. And I was like, oh, maybe we'll just all meet up there. This keeps creeping on. Nobody's there. Nobody's there. Finally, me and my one buddy who had like a Vegas morning that spilled into a Vegas afternoon, we're like, you should stay home and, and sleep. Like you, you definitely need to run. And he's like, no, I got this. I'm going to the show. So it ended up three of us are going to the show <laughs> out of the initial nine tickets that I purchased. 
And one guy didn't get past security because I gave him his ticket and like 30 seconds later, he was like, where's my ticket? And it was, it was out of, you could see it hanging out of his pocket. And this is in front of the security guard. And he's like, I was like, Dan, it's in your pocket. I was like, it's in your, it's in your pocket. Like trying to be cool about it. And he was, I don't have my ticket. I don't know where it is. And the guy's like, yeah, clearly the security's like, this is not going to work. You're not getting in tonight. And he's like, whoa, what do you mean? And so two of us made it into the show <laughs> and the first song starts playing and my buddy is just trying all with the, well, all, everything that he has because he wants to be a good friend and he knew that I wanted to share this experience with someone. He's trying to hang on, but I just turned to him and I was like, man, why don't you just go to the hotel? So of the nine tickets that I purchased, I was the lone ticket holder who saw the show and you would think like you would be mad. And of course I was like annoyed at first. But then I, I was I was sitting there at this show of explosions and uh, I was like, you know, I there's nowhere I would rather be right now. So that is why it was my selection for songs you'd rather listen to alone. That was a good reason. Wow. Uh, there, so there's some things about the song that, that I really want to touch on with you, Adam. Like the moment at the beginning of the track where you hear that kind of boom, like almost an audio explosion mm-hmm. in the sky is kind of what it sounds like, if you will. I thought that was a kick drum with tons of reverb on it. And then, Adam, you, you shared the live video, which I did go through and listen to. It's actually one of the guitar players with a ton of verb, and he's just hitting this out of his guitar. And what I thought was mm-hmm. a kick drum is this this crazy guitar effect, um, which was really, really, really cool. Um, you mentioned that I'm so happy you brought up that kill switch because I had forgotten about that, and that blew my mind. I remember you mentioned that to me. There's a moment, too, in this track at about three minutes where it briefly, so that the bulk of the tune is in three four you hear a pulse of three throughout and we'll listen to that together uh and then there's a transition to four that's very very seamless and it only lasts for a brief moment and then three comes back so i want to play that uh together right now thing that's like very subtle they didn't this like the restraint in this band again and the simplicity is is really incredible and amazing um all that others like i think of like dream theater comes to mind that, that stuff has its place and it's awesome and it's bombastic and it's pyrotechnic but like this is also very valid and artistic and creative it just doesn't go to like the nth degree of shreddery that uh, you see a lot of guitar music do. So it's very cool. Well, it has like, there's little things like a time shift like that. They do it in a way that it's just enough to make you feel a little disoriented, you know, in a, in a good way. Like you just get a little more lost in it for a second. And then it feels really comforting when it goes back to that time signature, that waltzy feeling that you had before. Um, just from the music theory side, there's different ways you can shift time. But if you keep, like keeping a steady pulse is a really cool, like subtle way to do that. 
um, where it's like there's the strong beats aren't happening where I want to hear them all the time, but like my just constant driving pulse is still there. Um, it gives people something to hold on to. There's another moment in the song I want to listen to with both you guys, the wall that hits you at the end, which I'm glad, Adam, you've seen them live many times. You know that this has been a closer. Is it a pretty consistent closer for them, do you think? Yeah. Okay, so the, yeah, I think so. Makes perfect sense with the end of this track, the the like wall of sound that you get hit with. feel like they're so efficient with that of that feeling of getting to the end in that like oh it's gonna end the anticipation builds and builds and builds and then they cut it so perfectly um yeah i really love this track i'm glad you guys enjoy it too because i was i was curious to hear what a, a trained ear would have to say about it you know like i just i can tell that when it hits my ear i just like it and i don't i'm not necessarily good at articulating that but um yeah there's I don't know. It this music is like visual to me. Um I'm a much more visual person, but I can see I can see the story more than I can kind of hear it and comprehend it that way, if that makes sense. Um where would you recommend people start listening to Explosions in the Sky if they haven't uh, been hip to them yet? My personal favorite album is uh this album. It's called The Earth Is Not a Cold Dead Place, which is also just a nice reminder sometimes you need some yeah, days. It's good to um, know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but the, I think if people know this band, they probably know the song, Your Hand in Mind, the show, um, or the movie Friday Night Lights, they did the score for the movie and then they worked on some of the, uh, television, I think, um, I actually haven't seen that show, but I, I know that I've, I have, when I've been wearing an Explosion in the Sky shirt, somebody will say to me like, oh, Friday Night Lights. <laughs> and I'm like, sure. Um, so, you yeah, know, whatever your touch point is, your way in, that's fine. But, um... Yeah, they. I think it lends. I think they do a lot of. I know they've done movie scores, and I, I think they. It seems like they kind of want to push more in that direction, um, and I think their music just lends itself so well to that. I, I just thought about Absolutely. you wearing a Friday Night Lights T-shirt and somebody saying, "Oh, explosions in the sky!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy gets me. <laughs> Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Um, <laughs> I, you know, we're wrapping up the episode with another Mahaya pick. It's another gem. I'm excited to to hear what she's got Wait, for us. Hold in on, store. hold on though. Before you hit play, okay. I just want to preface this by saying the way that you chose to word this theme, which I did not weigh in on this time around, yep. was songs that you prefer to listen to alone. Yeah. So I just I don't want people under the impression that I am just listening to this next song on repeat. You know. Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you. By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now So, Mejia, uh, what do we have the pleasure of listening to? We are listening to Wonderwall by Oasis. (laughs) Next question, please. Why are we listening to to Wonderwall (laughs) by Oasis? When you told me what the theme was, I really wanted to take this in a slightly obscure classical direction because you also told me that Adam was going to be the guest. And mm-hmm. I was like, we're going to have a voice over actor. Do you prefer actor or artist? 
I definitely don't say artist. That is so pretentious. I mean, again, <laughs> again, we're a lot of days we're hawking hamburgers over here, and that's uh, <laughs> no offense to anybody in the hamburger industry, but it's not exactly artistry. Um, yeah, I, I I'll say voice actor. I say voice, voice actor. actor. There that's is all. there is yeah. an artistry to it. Of course, there is. Yeah, this isn't going to make it sound less pretentious. There's this whole realm of classical music where there are narrators written into the score. Um, really? A lot of Stravinsky, Oedipus Rex, A Soldier's Tale. Ten days leave, that's all he's got. Which is not an awful lot. In fact, the LA Opera did Oedipus Rex in 2021 with Stephen Fry. Like, it was just his voiceover. He wasn't actually there. And apparently it still worked really well. Um, huh. Which is cool, right? Because it's like, like you're saying you're not musical, but you have the skills to be center stage. Um, but it's pretty cool. But I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go that way. <laughs> I'm glad that you didn't because I, I, I just didn't have time. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have had time to listen to all of that. I, I, <laughs> Yeah, that's... spent all my time on Nardis. What do you What do you want from yeah. me? I got, man, I got three hours. I'm going to devote to. Well, also the when you said that you were doing Nardis, song. Carter, it changed my mind because I was like, we can't both do something that is generally a little pretentious. Um, yeah. And I always try to interpret the theme in a slightly unique way. And this time, it really just is. It's not that listening to Wonderwall puts me in like a very solitary mindset or anything. It's just that. It is so like ubiquitous in our society that you can't put it on without people singing along to it. Half the time, if a DJ puts it on or if somebody's covering it, there will be that moment in this song where they stop the music and they put the mic out to the audience and you have to hear it's the audience sing a song that's actually kind of hard to sing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is a song both of the Gallagher brothers are not fans of. Um, they wish it wasn't their legacy, and they've been very public about that. And I think part of that is people misinterpret it all the time. Because it sounds like this optimistic love song, and it's really, really not. It's super vulnerable. So the fact that people sing along in giant crowds, like it's some sort of party jam or something, is really weird when yeah, you think about it. It's giving weird context to this was my high school graduation song. What? Um, yeah, I'm pretty pretty That's positive. That's such a bad that. choice. Yeah, I guess it is now in hindsight. I didn't make the choice. Whoever was on the grad committee yeah, yeah. Uh, back in 2005, this was their this was their selection. We had the. The Green Day song. Yeah, that everybody it was else had that one or that. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I suggested for our class song. I suggested there's a song by a band, Newfound Glory. Um, oh yeah. I don't yeah. know if they cover that in music school or not, but um, they uh, there's a song. I think it's called Better Off Dead, but it it opens with the the lyric is Tell all my friends I'm dead. I'm leaving you this heavens for good. <laughs> that didn't didn't make the ballot. I don't believe that anybody. Feels the way I do about you now. What do you guys think this song is about? Like, if you had to guess, I never, I never thought of it. I yeah. thought it was probably about somebody that, well, because maybe you're gonna be the one that saves me. Just like a lost person, they are open to being in a relationship and it's gonna better them or something. I don't know, dude. I yeah. don't think about this stuff. 
I don't think. But if you had to guess the relationship between like the singer and the person they're singing to slash about, what what is uh, their 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 ex probably, or their. See, I don't know. See, Adam, I, love, when we yeah, talk yeah. about lyrics, I feel the exact way that you feel about just music in general earlier. Like, I, t- lyrics, I'm, I'm way out, out of my, over my skis. Yeah. That's why I like instrumental music because it is like, I don't, a lot of times when I hear the voice, it's just like another instrument and mm-hmm. I don't hear the, the words they don't hit like that for me um but i actually know uh where what you're getting at man yeah, so i yeah. don't want to spoil the fun because i saw that <laughs> so people assumed when noel gallagher and he even he even confirmed it back in the day that the song was about his i think now ex-wife he has since come out and said that this is a song basically about an imaginary friend who will hopefully come back and save you from yourself what <laughs> yeah that's a simplified way to say it but yeah, that's that's what this song is about. It's about um, you go through life making mistakes and the idea that there's this other force out there who's keeping an eye on you that might step in is really sad, but really beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, it sounds like a love song. I think it's pretty cool yeah. that that's what it is. Yeah. Like, because I, I saw that. I, I saw an article that said like he he went with that story right away. There was like, sure. like his, <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, that's what it was. And then later coming out, and that made me appreciate the song that much more. Yeah. Um, because it's so much, it's a much more creative place to come from. But back when you said that they hate this, that this is their legacy. Mm-hmm. That is so that that idea is so pretentious. Yeah, I agree. I know. To me. Well, it's, you don't have any I mean, control. Gallagher's aren't not pretentious. They're extreme. <laughs> like, the the epitome yeah. of it, but you have you have no control over what your legacy is going to be. Sure. Or, I mean, but maybe I think their point is just that do, like but... this song's a departure for them, right? And there's a lot of other groups like this too, where it's like there's a song that just stands out in your, your discography, and it's not a great representation of how you see yourself as a group or an artist. So. The idea that the world over, that's what you're known for, might feel a little weird. I get Um, that. Apparently, Liam never liked the song. Noel was going to sing it, but then he was like, you know what? We'll have Liam sing it. But he hated it. He hated it all the way to the bank, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you can turn down the money that you made from this song, dude. Like, But he was given the song to perform his response, was to tell his brother that Oasis aren't a funk band. (laughs) Which... I don't think I would call this funk in a billion years. No, maybe there's a different version that they were working on of this. And yeah, the, you should hear the demos sick. there. The yeah, d- the funk demo. demo. Actually, so Carter, I did send you a link. This isn't a ways is doing it. This is a cover by the group Scary Pockets. Let me tell you that today was gonna be the day, but they'll never throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you're not to do. And I don't believe I kind of don't want to though. It, so- it know, sounds really good. I was getting—I forgot we were doing a podcast. I was so locked in. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I just love Sam. Sam Wilkes is playing fantastic bass player. Jack Conte on on keys. Yeah. He's incredible. The I think the leader of Scary Pockets and yeah, band and the, and the awesome. CEO of Patreon and one half of Pompadour's. interesting guy. Yeah, really, I didn't know that. Yeah, I just learned of, he's the, yesterday the keyboardist. All the same guy. <laughs> the keyboardist is doing all that. Yeah. Or? Mm-hmm. Every time I watch them, he makes me anxious because his head movement yeah. is so extreme. I think he has to have all kinds of neck problems. Right? <laughs> well, like his posture is a little, like he's, he looks like a tall man too. So it's his terrible. He's got to get little... that fixed. That's going to be health problems down the line. Mm-hmm. Could be. 
Could be. All the stress of all those responsibilities doesn't get to him first. All that achievement he has going on. Um, That's unreal. Back to the Gallagher's version. (laughs) So that, like, the the Scary Pockets version, that's a funk song. And it surprises me how well Wonderwall works as a funk song, honestly. I don't know what Liam was thinking when he said it was a funk song to begin with. (laughs) My next question for you guys is, if you had to guess, what is a Wonderwall? Oh man, oh yeah, God. I haven't even thought of that, and it's mm-hmm. it's silly that just that break hasn't it down a little linguistically. Adam, what do you think, man? I, <laughs> God, like, is it? I've never. I'm I'm so on the spot right now. I've never once. Well, it's how one many of times have you heard mysteries. the word? Well, it also it sounds like one of the, like a British slang, like they call forks, like a dream like board or something. Some, mm. you know. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I tried to manifest that on my dream board. It's like you're cutting oh, out your things wonder wall from that... a magazine. Yeah. And that's like, ooh, that's that's the wall of wonder there. I can't yeah, top yeah. that. I can't top that. So that maybe they were maybe they wrote a song about the wonder wheel on Coney Island, but the, the pronunciation <laughs> like just made it sound like wonder wall. And no. the translation from British to American <laughs> English just <laughs> skewed like the whole thing. Just, it's British slang. I don't know. Um, so according to Liam Gallagher, a wonder wall can be anything, which is not helpful. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> the more I learn about Oasis, the less I like them. Yeah, this, right? is, <laughs> this song has just fallen in the ranks for me because uh, we hate but it. He does it's a have funk like song. he has the right voice for this. Like he was the right choice because it's like just enough oh. vocal control and also really just throwing yourself out there and sounding fragile <laughs> for this song to work the way it does. Um, but I did a little digging. Noel was super into the Beatles, probably still is. Um, It almost definitely comes from a George Harrison album, which was also the soundtrack for a movie called Wonderwall Music. Mm. Um, I mean, it's it's decades old, so I feel okay about spoiling it. But I guess in that movie, what happens is basically a voyeur, like a peeping Tom, follows the life, the lives of the couple who lives next door, sort of kind of falls in love with um, the woman and starts letting his imagination get away with him and he keeps punching more and more holes into their shared wall and in the end ends up saving her life because of something he sees through said wall so in that sense to me it becomes a little bit of like the wonder wall is this metaphor for like what if and also that growing like lust for that idea of what could be so the peeping Tom is the hero. Yeah, in this I movie? know. I haven't watched it. I don't think I will. <laughs> I'm sure it's a good artsy movie from that George Harrison crowd. But it does sound like the song could be written about the movie. It's either that mm-hmm. or what you described, or it's a funk song about anything. Right, exactly. Why do you prefer to listen to Wonderwall alone? Well, for the reasons I, I said earlier, it's just I don't think it was intended to be in like an outward experience with a group of people, I think it was meant to be introspective. And for whatever reason, everybody is connected with it in this way that doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> but you also said, like, I guess you don't prefer to listen to the song at all, though, right? Is that... No, no, no. That... I think it's a great song. <laughs> I think it's amazing. And I actually, I like hearing the song covered by the right performer, too. Like, I, I think Liam Gallagher is perfect. Do you have it. a favorite? No, no, no one in particular. I just mean, like... If I go to an open mic night where it's a bunch of people you've never heard of, the right person can still pull this off because it is, it's simple to get nerdy for a second. Like the chords that it uses, it just uses like the most common chords there are, but in a slightly interesting way. So most of pop music is the same four chords. It uses those, but sometimes it'll leave a note out. So like 
in this court in this song you never get the five chord that's that the big like that like puts the tension into the chord progression you don't quite get that it's a sus chord instead so it's like this gentler sound and it makes it feel harder to be sure you know where the home key is like carter is this song in major or minor to you major see but the but the five is eh. a sus so yeah. it's not as firmly major it's to me it feels minor but yeah just to get back to your question so yeah i, I think this is meant to be an, an inward experience more than an outward one like it gets put on list of the greatest songs of all time and i think it does deserve that spot no matter yep. how the personnel involved feel about it and after all, you're my adam thank you so much for joining us on this episode to talk songs you prefer to listen to alone we learned a lot i think about each other about the songs of course, that we selected. But now we want to learn about you, Adam. Uh, this is your chance to, to share with our listeners everything you're up to. You're an incredible voice actor. Uh, you also host your own po- podcast. You, you also host your own podcast, uh, so you work in entertainment. Uh, I highly recommend people checking it out, but please tell us about the pod. Tell us about what you're up to, anything you want to share with our audience. Yeah, um, I'm. thank you for having me. This was so fun, and uh, it's, it's cool to to just hear the way that you guys talk about music. I mean, anytime you get a peek into somebody else's world is, is always fascinating for me, but to like, this is a very common point for us, right? Like I love music, you guys love music, but the way that you love and understand music is different than what I do. So it's really cool um, to kind of throw that all in the melting pot and see what, what comes out. So thank you for having me. But yeah, my, my podcast is called, so you work in entertainment and it's kind of along the lines of me being a voice actor. I didn't know that I could do that, uh, that anyone, could do that when I was a kid and I just kind of happened upon it uh, by accident and then it kind of spiraled into its own thing and it's been the last eight years of my life. Um, there are so many jobs like that in entertainment and you mentioned earlier Eric Petros. He was a recent guest on the podcast. He's a set dresser so he works on a lot getting all of the the little things ready like that lamp in a TV show that you see that's somebody's responsibility and Eric is that guy. So this podcast is anything in entertainment. So like last episode I did was a mastering engineer and mm-hmm. uh, he, the Jared Hirschland was my guest. He uh, mastered Anderson Pack Malibu. There are so many of these jobs that are, that are out there. And I feel like a lot of people when they are creative, they think that there's maybe one path or a more defined path for that. And it's, it's all very loose. And um, so I started this podcast to talk to these people and hear their story because I personally, I really enjoy that. And I think it can really show people what's out there as far as careers. The best feedback that I've ever gotten on the podcast, one of my friends said, um, he said he feels like this will be required listening in film schools. Um, And that was like the highest compliment I could ever get. Um, So yeah, check it out. It's called So You Work in Entertainment, new episodes every Wednesday. And uh, yeah, you can follow it on Instagram at so.youworkinentertainment. My personal Instagram is just my name, at Adam Klaus, but I very rarely post, so. And that's going to do it for this episode of Themes and Variation. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to listen to all the songs mentioned on the episode and perhaps a few more songs you just might prefer listening to alone, be sure to check out this episode's Spotify playlist in our show notes. 
A huge thank you to Adam Klaus for joining us on this episode. And folks, remember, if you have any learning that you need to do in the world of music, head to soundfly.com where you can check out all of our incredible courses, including the brand new Ryan Lott Designing Sample-Based Instruments. And as always, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode and a new theme.